position that we are in Christ, but also our direction. Amen? Amen. And it's a good question to ask every once in a while. How am I doing? I'm meeting with a group of guys that we meet on Wednesday nights, and we're asking ourselves, are we, how can we be more like Jesus next year than this year? You see, it's good to ask kind of, am I more like Jesus this year than last year? That's a good question to ask. Amen? But you know what? A better question is to ask, how can I be more like Jesus? Because I can't change the past. And you can't change the past. But amen, we can do something about the future. And what I can tell you is, you'll never drift into becoming more like Jesus. You'll never just kind of find yourself accidentally involved with more of Jesus and his mission. It takes some intentional action and decisions on our part. It's God's work, but it requires our participation. So I want to talk about spiritual transformation this morning and how it happens. In Romans chapter 12, the Apostle Paul is talking about uh, doctrine, and then he's going to kind of open up and kind of hinge here in chapter 12. It says in chapter 12, verse 1, Therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual worship. In some translations, it says spiritual act of worship. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. This is the word of the Lord. The book of Romans, uh, Paul wrote uh, to these uh, people in house churches in Rome. He was in Corinth, and he's giving them instructions on first the doctrines of the faith, and then in chapter 12, he begins with this word, therefore. Now, Cecil and Colonel and others would know that any time in Scripture you see the word therefore, you ought to stop and ask yourself, what is the therefore? Therefore. You got it. Yeah, you're with me. Yeah, it was there for a reason. What he's saying is, if you believe these first 11 chapters, then the rest of this book's going to make sense to you. If you believe that we are saved by grace through faith and that our justification is through Christ alone, then it ought to change how we live. First, he talks about doctrine, then duty. First, principles, then practice. Because we must translate our learning in Christ to living for Christ. So chapter 12 begins with the word therefore, meaning if you believe everything I've been saying, if you really understand the gospel, then you should be able to see the gospel lived out in your life. So I want to pull from this passage just four things. You know, it's, it's not going to be hard. Just four things where you might want to jot them down. Four truths about spiritual transformation that the Apostle Paul is going to teach us. Are you with me? Yep. Okay, four of you. That's good. All right, verse 1, it says, present your bodies a living sacrifice. The truth, first truth is this, the Christian life is not just about Sunday mornings. The Christian life is not just about right now, Sunday morning. The Apostle Paul urges us to offer our bodies, meaning our entire lives, as a living sacrifice. You see, God's not just interested in your spiritual life, he's interested in your entire life. Now, the implications of this are huge. You see, Sometimes we want to partition our life, like, Lord, here's my Sunday life, and I'll give you this, and I'll engage with you in, in spiritual relationship there, but don't touch this other part of my life. Don't be involved with my work and these other relationships. Now, can I just tell you something this morning? I love the church, and I love this church. Uh, Matt said earlier that uh, I've been here a long time, since 1993. I was ordained as a deacon right over there. Uh, Camille and I uh, knelt right here as I was ordained to the gospel ministry. Many of you have had a huge, huge impact in my life. I love this place. I love this place right on San Jose Boulevard, and my heart warms every time I come here. I love the church. I love this church. I love this place. We ought to gather together, and it's a beautiful thing. But can I tell you, 
that is this afternoon or at your Super Bowl party or somewhere this week, you're having a spiritual conversation with somebody. You're engaging. You're focusing your heart and your life on Christ. Can I just tell you, it's the presence of Christ that makes a moment and a place sacred. It's not bricks and mortar. It's not a building. So let me remind you, the church is a who, not a what or a where. And that means that what happens here is important to God, but it also means what happens out there is just as important and sacred to God. He's already at work in every domain of your life. Do you know that? He's, he's active at school, folks. He's active at, at your workplace. Seek him there, and you will find him there. So I kind of, you know how Mark has these statements, these sentences? Uh, if you're watching Mark, I, I tried to honor you in this. Um, you know how you state, so I came up with a statement with each one of these. The first one is this. It will take our entire lives to take the entire gospel to the entire world. Do you believe that? It'll take our entire life. We can't, we can't do this gospel mission thing with half our lives. It's going to take our entire lives. It reminds me of that old saying, it's cliche, but it's true. Jesus is either Lord of all of my life, or he's not Lord at all of my life. There's no, there's no 50-50 in this. That takes me to spiritual truth number two. How many are you with me now? Okay, about six. That's good. Spiritual truth number two. Spiritual transformation happens when we realize that God is the only one we can really trust with our lives. God is really the only ones that we can trust. To offer ourselves as a living sacrifice means that we put our whole bodies, but here's the problem, Cecil. We, we put our bodies on the altar as a living sacrifice, but if you're like me, you want to crawl back off every once in a while, right? I'm the only one, right? Yeah, we do that, don't we? We have to stay on the altar. We must make daily decisions. I love how Tim Keller talks about this. He says, we have to take our hands off of our own lives. That's hard to do, isn't it? We have to kind of let go and let God control our lives. We have to realize, friends, this is radically different than what American culture teaches us. American culture says, live where you want to, do what you want, grab all you can, live for yourself, YOLO, you only live once, right? See, I always thought that meant YOLO, like, hey, you only live once, be careful, you know? <laughs> you, know you only have one life to live. But, you know, we, we tend to think that in our society, but Jesus says, no, give it up. Rest in me. And you know, in even some more subtle ways, we make deals with God, don't we? We say, God, I want this kind of life, and I want to live, you know, in this place with these people. Would you bless that? Would it be okay? We kind of want to start negotiating with God, and we say, God, I will follow you if, fill in the blank. God, I will follow you if, and can I tell you, that's not the gospel, that if I put a condition on my fellowship and my surrender in Christ, I'm really not worshiping God. I'm worshiping what's on the other side of that if. We, there's no God I will follow you if. See, we, we, want, we try to turn God into a spiritual vending machine sometimes. I'll come to church, I'll put money in the plate, and then, Lord, I want you to bless my life. And all the while, God is saying, you know what? All that's been settled. I just want you to live for me. I just want you to live as a living sacrifice. And he has the right to say that of us and ask that of us. So we don't put conditions on it. God says, I've gone first. I've already sacrificed for you. I loved you so much that I gave my only son for you. And only in and through him can you truly have life. You see that word worship there at the end of verse 1? It could also be understood as service. The truth is everybody lives for something. Everybody in this room is living for someone or something, aren't you? You see, we have to make decisions about what we're going to live for or who we're going to live for. And I want to just put it in a sentence. Here's a sentence for this, uh, this point. 
You see, when we ask our present reality to give us what only God can give, we end up driven, frustrated, discouraged, and ultimately we waste our lives. The present reality can't give us what only God can give, but we, we get caught up in that, don't we? I want to do a little, I'm coming off the platform, don't get scared, I'm not Pentecostal yet. Um, Cecil, come up here for a second, I want, Cecil's going to help me. Uh, Cecil's going to play the role of God, because he sounds like God, right? And, and God has a, a will for my life, he's got the whole world in his hands. And he's got a role for me, he's got a role for you to play, it's the abundant life, it's his, my surrendered life, he has everything to give me. But, you know, I get caught up in some lesser things sometimes. Sometimes I get caught up in this. Can you see that? It's a piggy bank. And sometimes I go, well, I, 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 that sounds good, but I really want this. And, and I like the security that this brings me. So I, I kind of hang on to that sometimes. Or, or maybe, um, Colonel, you'd be proud. This is Camille's actual briefcase from her banking days. Amen, brother. Maybe we get caught up in success, you know, if this kind of represents career or you know, climbing the corporate ladder. You know, I love what Ken Blanchard says. He says, be careful that you, if you win the rat race, you're still a rat. Don't play the rat race. Don't get involved with that. Nothing wrong with money and, and career, by the way. It's just that those things make terrible gods. Okay? Or, or, and guys, this is a subtle, not so subtle reminder of what's coming up. You might need to explain. But maybe there's a relationship in my life. And I go, oh, if I could just have this person in my life, if I could just have this relationship, everything would be fine. There's nothing wrong with relationship. There's absolutely nothing wrong with any of these things. It's just that when we take a good thing and turn it into a God thing, it becomes a really bad thing. If we take a good thing and turn it into a God thing, it becomes a really, really bad thing. And all the while, God's waiting for me to put these things down. And here's what I have to come to grips with. How much of my life has God been patiently waiting for me to put things down so I could simply say, yes, Lord, I'll take whatever you have for my life. It may be this or that. I don't know what it is, but my yes is there. Thank you. Can you give him a hand for that? I told him before, I know that's going to be a really big stretch for you, Cecil, playing God, but he did great. When we take a good thing and make it a God thing, it becomes a really, really bad thing. Paul's saying if you'll just put your life on the altar, you'll find that ultimately that's what's pleasing to God. We can truly take our hands off of God. And here's the, here's the key. Here's the, the crazy thing about the gospel. We really find rest when we take our hands off our lives. We are so busy trying to control our lives, and all the while God is saying, just surrender. Just let me take over. And when we take our hands off, it's like we can spiritually breathe. And he fills us. And because it is pleasing to him and we understand what his will is. That takes us to spiritual truth number three. Now how many are you with me? A few more. That's good, that's good. Spiritual transformation is God's work but requires my participation. I said that earlier. I want to come back to it. I want to further unpack that. He tells us, uh, Paul tells us, not to be conformed to this age. In fact, in Galatians chapter 1, he says that there is evil in the present world. The world cannot become our pattern. We cannot model our lives after the world. We must live and serve in the world, but not let the world get into us. Um, You know, and he talks about renewing your mind, and as we engage with him, that our minds can actually be renewed and, and changed. And there's been some amazing brain science lately. 
that uh, shows how our, when we kind of engage with God and engage with his, his will for our lives, it actually rewires the neuropathways in our brains. I found this video called The Human Brain. It's kind of sciencey, but take a look at it, and it actually has a very deep spiritual undertone to it. So take a look. That's a brain. There is sound for this. There we go. Isn't that amazing? Isn't it amazing that the God who creates our biology, also it it very much harmonizes with our theology. That it actually creates new roadmaps as we live a surrendered life for Christ. I love that video every time I see it. Now, you know, here's where we get the problem though. In the North American church, oftentimes we think we need to look a certain way and uh, act a certain way or as far as you know, how we look and the haircut and all that sort of thing. And it, what it means to be a Christian sometimes, I think we get it defined by external things. But all the while, God's in, he's more interested in the internal things. You know, when we send missionaries overseas, we want them to wear the clothes of that culture and eat the food of that culture. But we want them to behave differently, don't we? We want them to be salt and light and to be a beacon of the gospel in an otherwise dark culture. But here in North America, sometimes we think we, we get it backwards. We think, well, we're supposed to look different. We're supposed to wear different kinds of clothes and use big words like sanctification and brother, isn't that wonderful? And we think it's the outside thing, but all the while God's more concerned about the inside thing. And here's the problem, and the reason I say this, and I, I, I say this with no judgment on anyone, but just the general observation of the church. Did you realize that in North America, the charitable giving to 
to charitable causes is the same percentage of those inside the church and outside the church. The percentage of income that people give to charity is the same. By the way, did you realize that the the divorce rate inside the church is the same as outside the church? So we've got it backwards sometimes in the North American culture. We think in church culture we're supposed to look different on the outside, but we're behaving the same as a lost culture on the inside. And unfortunately, we cannot be salt and light to a culture when we are leading flavorless and dark lives. We lose our witness to a culture, and we cannot be salt and light when we're leading flavorless and dark lives. The renewing of our mind happens as we daily choose to live different than our culture and to live according to God's word. And live and say, Lord... I'm going to take my hands off my life. I'm going to let you decide what I'm going to do today. You're going to let you decide how I behave. I'm going to let your word conform me more into the image of your son, Jesus Christ. A renewed mind is concerned with those issues that are lasting, of of lasting importance and forever. Which takes me to number four. And how many did I say I was going to have? That means we're on the last one. Good news, right? Spiritual truth number four. Spiritual transformation happens when we say yes to God. That's like the most simple thing ever, right? When we just say yes to God. It says, then you'll be able to discern what is the good, pleasing, perfect will of God. Many people want to know the will of God, amen? Many people, I just wish I knew God's will. I wish I could understand God's will. But I wonder sometimes if we would just lay our lives on the altar, according to this verse, that God would show us his will. You see, we get the cart before the proverbial horse, and we say, God, I want you to show me your will and I'll consider it. Uh, Let me know what your will is, and I'll take it under advisement, like a counselor. And all the while, God is saying, no. We say, show me, and I might say yes. God says, say yes, and then I will show you. Can I just say to you, if you're here today, and you've been struggling with understanding God's will, can I just say, go ahead and just surrender. Go ahead and just say yes. I dare you. (laughs) Because when you do, A whole new vista of God's will will open up for your life. Too many times we want to say, Lord, just show me your will and I'll get back to you. I'm kind of curious, but I'm not ready to surrender. And all the while, God's kind of standing there like Cecil was earlier, ready to give us everything that he has on purpose for us. And yet we're holding on to our own lives with clenched fists. We say, show me, and I might say yes. And God says, say yes, and then I'll show you. Friend, I don't know how you rolled in here today, but if you're seeking more direction in your life, the, way, the place to start is to say yes. You say, well, where do I begin, Rick? How do, I, how do I get started? How do I make this happen? Well, you live each day surrendered to God. And, and what I would say is that the person of Jesus Christ is our model. And when he was in the garden and he was praying, and it was such a, a fervent, passionate time, a moment there where, where he stood before God's will at the the, the hardest moment that anybody has ever stood. And he said, nevertheless, not my will, but yours, Father. At that moment, Jesus chose to sacrifice for you. Why can he demand that we sacrifice for for us, that we sacrifice to him? Because he went first. He's already sacrificed and surrendered for us. Therefore, he has the right to ask us. But don't miss also in that garden moment when Jesus was praying that a surrendered life is a praying life. 
A surrendered life is a life that is active in communication daily. How else would you know how to operate? It is your oxygen. It is your lifeline. It is you know, everything that, that you need comes from him. And he has the right to ask us. No one ever sacrificed more for anyone else than Jesus Christ did on the cross of Calvary. He is a living sacrifice. And we, being joint heirs, are to live as a sacrifice because he went first. I want to show you a picture. About a month or two ago, I was up in Asheville, North Carolina, and I got a chance to go to the Billy Graham Center called The Cove. Has anybody ever been there? It's a wonderful, beautiful place. This is the chapel building. And in the, standing at the pulpit, I took this picture. But looking in the back, you see that room that's kind of upstairs back there? Ruth Graham designed all this. It's a beautiful picture. And uh, it's a beautiful building. And by the way, they let me play the piano while I was there. I don't, I don't play very well, but that was kind of a, a sneaky thing I got to do. They, they gave me permission to do that. But she, she decorated that and had this, this beautiful furniture that came in from England and all this. But she put this prayer room right in the back of a chapel. It's the first time I'd ever seen kind of a dedicated prayer room, kind of up, lifted up. It's very intentional. And you can't see it from the picture, but in the middle of that prayer room is about a three-foot globe, much bigger than the one that we were holding there earlier. And it's got all these passages of Scripture up there. And as you're standing there in the pulpit, Ruth Graham intentionally put that globe in that prayer room up there. She said, when the preacher stands up to preach and he looks out at the congregation, I want him to see the world. I want him to remember that God loves the world and his mission is all about the world. And friend, I don't know where you'll be this afternoon or who who you might be pulling for tonight in a Super Bowl or what you'll be rolling and doing tomorrow. But here's my prayer for you. As you get up and you face the day of everything you've got to do, see the world. See God's redemptive plan in the world and it begins in your life. And the way you access that, the way you open that, the way you engage in that God life is to surrender, is to be a living sacrifice. And when we do that, we discern, we understand, we can grasp what is God's will for our lives. Because the whole world is waiting. And God is waiting. Would you pray with me? As we move into a time of response this morning, I just want to remind us that there was only one perfect living sacrifice, and his name is Jesus Christ. And because of a bloody cross and because of an empty tomb, we can have peace with God. We can have that abundant life now, and we can live with him forever and eternity. Friend, I don't know how you are in your condition this morning. I'm sure that in a crowd like this, there'd be some who would say, Lord, I... I need you to be Lord of my life. I need you to be Lord of my entire life, not just on Sundays, not just this corner of my life. But Lord, I want to be wholly, completely surrendered to you. Or maybe you're here today and you say, Lord, there's something that I'm I'm putting ahead of you. It may be my career, it may be a relationship, it may be other parts of my life, my finances. I'm, I'm holding that back. And maybe you just need... Maybe to come to this altar and, and, or right there where you are and just pray and just literally lay your life down. Take your hands off of your own life. Recognize that the God of the universe is the only one who's trustworthy to live our lives. And we must recognize that anytime we put something ahead of God, whatever it is, it's an idol. But we have to turn from ourselves and turn from our sin and lay our lives on the altar. We must say, here I am, Lord. I want to place my entire life before you 
and live it as an acceptable and pleasing act of worship for you. Lord, we ask now that during this time of response that our hearts would be open to you, Holy Spirit, and all that you would say to us. May we truly hold nothing back from you in this moment. May we open every corner, every door, every window of our lives and let the light of the gospel shine brightly into it. We give this time to you. May we be faithful and obedient in this time of response. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. We're going to sing now and have a time of response. Won't you stand? Won't you sing? Won't you do as God directs?